Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. In this episode, I speak with Inner Circle member Stacy, and she is actually from Australia, so her accent is amazing. But more importantly, she really opened up and spoke a lot about her issues with self-confidence and body image. And I don't want to give away too much, but one thing that's important to understand is Stacy is very, very fit. She's been involved in the fitness industry for years but that doesn't mean she still doesn't have her own set of struggles, especially with body image. And I think that's very important to understand no matter where you're coming from, we all have our own struggles. And I am very grateful Stacy came on the phone with me and had a great discussion. So I hope you liked the episode. I'll talk to you soon. Stacy. Jordan, hi. There you are. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What are you up to? Um, not too much. I've just been doing a little bit of work this morning before I got on the call. How about you? Not too much. I just uh, finished a little workout. Now I'm ready to chat. Thank you for getting on the phone with me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time to call and finding it... a time that worked with the time differences. Where Where are you from originally? Australia. So All I'm right, so... from the Gold Coast. Got it. Okay, it's going to be super hard for me to not do an Australian accent impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I hear it, I'm like, all right, I got to try it. I got to try it. But so what What time is it there right now? Uh, it's 8.30 here in the morning. Got 8.30. All right, well, perfect. Thank you. So so as you know, we get want to get on because you sent an email with really a very interesting question and I don't want to. I don't want to botch it. I don't want to put it in in any other words. So, how about you sort of just reiterate what you wanted to chat about, what you were discussing, and then and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So, um, basically, I've been sort of binge consuming your um, your podcasts, um, and I was listening to your rapid fire that you did with Susan, and you mentioned something that really interested me. You were talking about self efficacy. Um, and consistency and self-confidence and that sort of thing and you spoke about people who spent their whole lives being told you know you can do anything you put your mind to you can be anything you want um, but they still have no sense of self-efficacy and you said that you thought it might be because they'd never really been challenged or had their abilities tested and so the first time they fail they just they don't know how to cope and they just crumble Um, and that really interested me because it kind of, it hit home. Like I've always had a very supportive upbringing and, you know, been told, you know, oh, you can do, you can do anything you want, you know, you're so capable and that sort of thing. But I still struggle a lot with self-efficacy and feeling like I'm good enough and giving myself credit. And it's always bothered me because, you know, a lot of people who struggle with this sort of thing and who have body image issues and that sort of thing, they'll they can trace it back to something that happened, you know, like they were bullied as a child or this happened in their family dynamic or something like that. And I feel like because I can't find a reason, because I can't trace it back to something, I almost feel like my feelings aren't valid there. Like why, who am I to struggle with this? Because I don't have that causative event, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense in terms of like, you want you want to sort i'm assuming it means like you sort of want to validate your your body image issues the the struggles you've had by finding a a definitive cause in your past but you struggle with finding that cause is that right 
Yeah, sort of. And then when you mentioned that um, what you said with, you know, people who have never really been challenged or had their abilities tested sort of crumbling the first time they fail and that being related to maybe a lack of self-efficacy and lack of self-confidence later in life, that just interested me because I was like, well, I wonder if something like that applies to me. And I was just kind of hoping you could expand on your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, so there's a lot to dissect here, and there's a lot to talk about, and which is why one reason why I wanted to talk about it on the phone more than just uh, than through email because it's like it's such a complex topic. But mm. the first thing I wanted to talk about was the sort of like the first thing you spoke this spoke about in terms of well, why like why do I have a right to feel this way if I number one had a supportive upbringing and number two I can't sort of single out a causative event that led to these issues that that sort of correct yeah yeah because I guess I guess it frustrates me because I'm like (laughs) you know I guess it makes it makes sense to me when people say oh this happened in my childhood or this happened and that's why I feel this way and I'm like well why do I feel this way then (laughs) because that didn't happen to me sort of thing well so let me ask you this why do you think that you have body image issues or have had them in the past? Um, I'm not sure. Like it's something that I've, I've tried to think about a fair bit. And I mean, like I know growing up, even though my family was always, you know, was never negative toward me and my parents at all in any way. I know that, my mum's always been very hard on herself with her appearance and I grew up kind of knowing that she was very unhappy with how she looked and she, that was a big like stress for her and something that affected her quite negatively. Um, okay. So I've always wondered if that's maybe part so, of it. So you, you noticed that did, – did you see – did you notice your mom like having a negative relationship with food like what did she not eat very much or was she hard on herself like verbally did she say like I never look good like like how did that manifest how did how did that how did you see that um definitely hard on herself verbally um and I like a lot of growing up she was always sort of you know on and off different diets and that sort of thing did you ever talk to her about it when you were a kid did she ever discuss it no I don't think we did so how did you know it? Like, how, how were you aware of it? Um, just aware of it through comments that she would make sort of in passing about her own appearance, I suppose. Do you, do you remember any, like, is there any, like, any specific comments that you remember or no? Yeah, just, you know, like, she hates the skin around her stomach or she feels like her legs are fat or, you know, she doesn't take being told that she looks nice very well like she doesn't you can tell she doesn't believe it sort of thing do you do you think that like or do you ever remember when she would talk about that or have that would you start thinking about that in relation to yourself not at the time because I think I was probably too young to sort of make that connection at the time at least consciously okay Um, but yeah, I, I do. I know that I do do the same thing now. In that, you know, if people compliment me on my appearance and things, like outwardly, I've gotten quite good at taking compliments. Like I respond well, but internally, I just don't believe it. Sort of thing. Got it. So, when did you first start realizing 
that you had like some type of negative body image um, uh, perspectives. Probably on and off since um, late high school, but it never got really severe until um, a few years ago, a couple of years ago when I competed for the first time. So tell me more about that. Um, yeah, so I competed for the first time in early 2017. Um, and then post-comp struggled a lot with binge eating um, and binging and purging and stuff for a while. And that sort of spiraled a lot mentally as well. So there was a lot of self-loathing there and a lot of... What about that caused self-loathing? Um, I think the feeling that I should be strong enough to not do it, like I should be strong enough to control it. Um, to, to control the binging? Yeah, yeah. And was there like, was there any self-loathing or dislike of how you looked relative to being how, how lean you were on stage versus what you were like just in regular day-to-day life? Oh, yeah, definitely. After, like not initially, but you know, obviously stage, yes, stage weight isn't maintainable, but I think I felt like I should have been able to maintain better than what I did. Um, obviously the binging didn't help with that, but yeah. So then that developed from there. There was also a lot of, you know, I'll look how I used to look and look how I do now. And like you would look at pictures of you on stage or as you were like deep in your cut and be like, shit, like I look nothing like that now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. So check this out. At the beginning, you're like, I have no single causative event that I can trace back to for like why I might have like some negative body image perspectives of myself. And now we can trace it back to number one, your mother, whether or not that was actually uh, an important part of it. Like the first thing you said was that your mom like would speak about it and that things that you saw growing up, which could definitely absolutely be a part of it. And then like a massive percentage of the fitness population, a lot of it started from competing from like the, the completely unsustainable, very um, extremist dieting lifestyle that comes with competing. And then having that, like the binge purge cycle afterwards, not being able to maintain stage leanness, like very much we can trace it back to to some some events that you even said like yeah it really started after my first competition like for sure but even even then like what i what i really want to hit on before is when when someone says like well yeah i can trace it back to this when when people say they they have like they can trace it back to a, an event or something in their life it's not just because someone says like yes i can trace it back to this like it very well might be but it's not always like accurate right we don't always know it's not like i mean a lot, i know like a lot of people who who talk about psychology and therapy it's like well yeah we can trace back all these things in our lives to like one singular event as a child or whatever and in some cases yes but in some cases like it's not as simple as well yes we can go back to this one instance as a child and understand why everything in our life has unfolded in this way like that's just not how things work all the time in some cases yes in some cases no but What's really important to notice in this situation is that you at first didn't think that you could trace it back to a certain event. And simply just through talking it out, you traced it back to two very clear, very vivid, very 
like very accurate things that you knew right off the top of your head probably largely contributed to it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I don't, yeah, I think that's a good point, I suppose, in that it's kind of an oversimplification a lot of the time to think that it can just be one event that affects everything. Yeah, it's just it's just not realistic. And a lot of people really like to – I've noticed that a lot of people who really like to talk about psychology and emotion, whether or not they're qualified to is or being irrelevant, a lot of them talk about like, they like to overanalyze things. Well, yes, when I trace it back to, to my childhood and I really look and examine everything that happened as a kid, it's like, listen, you don't know. Like you can think and you can guess. But that's not it's not like that's proven science like you can guess and and it very well might be true, but it very well might not be. And what I would say for sure, like we we don't know if if like growing up being like in that environment with your mother was a definitive thing that caused it or influenced it. We don't know. It very well might have been. But I can tell you with more or less definitive fact that the competition, the, the binge eating, the stage, like being on stage, the extreme dieting, like you were very confident talking about that as being a major contributor to, to this like negative self body image, which that's one of the main reasons I don't really support, support physique competitions is because they are the catalyst for so many people to develop the most negative self self image relationships with themselves and it's not it's not like every so often it is consistently it, it's just like you see it all the time with people who especially now it's it's one of the amazing things about instagram that like i've loved watching over time is how many people did competitions and how many people did these things and are coming out now being like listen i did them for so long because i was so nervous to stop like I, I, like they were my way of essentially guaranteeing that I could stay lean. They were my way of justifying my, my disordered eating. They were my way of justifying staying in a calorie deficit way too long throughout the year. They were my way of justifying not going out to dinner parties, not going out with friends because I always had a competition to work for. They were their way of justifying their, their, their disordered eating habits rather than facing them rather than like actually having a healthy relationship with food, the competitions allowed them to do that. And now they can come out on social media and recognize it and say, this isn't how that you brought that up. And you were pretty like pretty confident in what you were saying. Like, yeah, it was probably that it was especially the binging afterwards, especially like looking at the pictures of when you were stage lean and being like, well, I should have been able to maintain closer to that. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that definitely contributed to it. Would you agree or no? Yeah, I definitely think on the body image side of things that competing was a big factor. And, like, um, I agree a lot with what you just said about people who compete regularly because even me, like, I've only done two rounds of comp, but my second one I pretty much did primarily because I was like, well, shit, like, I'm sick of how I look and I feel like I can't control it and I know if I do a prep, I'll be in control again and I know it'll get me lean, you know. And so it's it's definitely that second one coming, coming at it for the wrong reasons. So, well, I mean, I think, thank you for being so honest and open about this because it's impossible to really break this down without being open and and honest and objective. So like, Mm -hmm. thank you because like just opening up about this and having this discussion is going to lead to a lot of positive down the road. So thank you. Does, does, does that like 
start to open up and like make more sense now that you think about it? Yeah, it definitely does on the body image side of things for sure. Like, and think- so in terms of self-efficacy, you, you wanted to talk about, because you said, uh, and you basically, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I just want to, I try and reiterate and repeat as often as possible to make sure I, I understand things correctly. You said you had a very supportive upbringing, like there was no really like negative stuff, like anyone, there was no people saying you can't do it. You actually had a lot of support, but you still don't really feel like you believe in yourself very much. Yeah, exactly. And like, I've always been very, very hard on myself and held myself to a very, very high standard. And I think for me, it's hard. It's hard for me to see things that I've done as achievements and be proud of them, I suppose, because I'm just like, okay, well, you know, it was just something that I did. Like, it's hard to describe. It's almost like, okay, well, you know, I, I went through primary school and then moved on to high school, but that's not necessarily something I should be proud of. That's just something that people do, you know? And I kind of see that all my, I kind of see all my achievements in that light. Like, okay, yeah, I did it, but lots of other people have done it too. Like I, I guess I, str- okay. I struggle to give myself credit for things. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Could you tell me like thinking objectively now and honestly, like what do would you say are some of your, your like most notable accomplishments, some things that you think like are, are accomplishments that you, that you've achieved? Um, well, I mean, I, I completed a degree and I got first class honors with that. Um, I did, I've, I've done pretty well schooling wise all through my life. Like I've always gotten academic excellent awards and that sort of thing. Um, I competed in surf lifesaving for a while and like a certain, a certain branch of surf lifesaving. Um, and I competed at Australian titles a couple of times with that in team events um i i am actually one of the things i am actually proud of myself is getting through the preps that i have done um because those were a challenge for me and i'm i'm glad i got through them but um on a more like personal life note i I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's something that most people would consider an accomplishment, but I was actually married quite young and it was not a good relationship and I left and that's something that I personally consider an accomplishment purely because like it wasn't easy to leave and I'm glad I did. Um, I'd say that's a huge fucking accomplishment. And, I, and I'll tell you, like, you could talk to my mom if you want to. My mom, one of her biggest regrets is is staying in her her marriage with my father for so long before she finally decided to leave. And she she basically can and she'll she'll talk about it. She would say like she convinced herself that it was better to have a, a quote unquote intact family, husband and wife, than it was to leave. Uh, a bad relationship and to not have a full family. And now she talks about how it's like one of her biggest regrets, how she should have done it, how she should have left because a a full quote unquote family is not like better than a broken family. If the full family is actually broken and like 
when you just take it apart, it would have been a stronger, uh, healthier family. And so I would say it's a massive accomplishment. And I also want to say that in the first email you wrote me, unless I'm mistaken, you wrote that one of the things you struggle with is like, you don't think you've really accomplished anything, but through simply just having this open discussion, you've named a number of things that are huge accomplishments, not least of which being like having the strength and the confidence to leave a bad relationship, to go through these preparations, to do well in school. Like you've, you've listed a number of truly outrageously incredible accomplishments. And it sounds to me and tell me if you think it's wrong or incomplete that you it's very easy for you to fall into a negative mindset trap of being too hard on yourself and through simply sometimes just talking about it and and discussing it you can actually see all the amazing things you've done but if if you're just sort of stuck in your own head and not verbalizing it it's easy to fall into that perpetuating cycle of of negativity yeah it it definitely is something that i struggle with in terms of um you know falling into that negative mindset and it's hard, like, you know, it's, first of all, it makes me deeply uncomfortable to list things like that. I can um, tell. I can tell. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, even saying that loud, it's like, objectively, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, those, those are accomplishments. But I don't know. I guess there's always just part of me that's like, yeah, cool, but you probably could have done it better, <laughs> you know? And I think that's the issue I struggle with is, like, I'm – good at a lot of things but I don't really feel like I've ever been great at any one thing and so it's kind of like that was my voice this voice in my head that's like okay cool like yeah you did pretty well at that but pretty well is just like pretty well it's not great like why why do you think that is like why do you think you so quickly fall into the yeah but See, and that's that's the thing I'm really not sure about. It's like even – I can even remember in school, you know, like because obviously we'd have awards nights and stuff and if I got an award that year, it's like, you know, I'd get an academic excellence award or something like that and it's like, okay, yeah, but I didn't get ducks or I didn't get, you know, like there was a higher level that I didn't reach or even like OP scores which are – um, I don't know what they're called in the States, but whatever the scores you get at the end of high school that get you into colleges and stuff. Yeah, the GPA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even with that, it's like, although I got a good score, it's like, okay, but it could have been one better, you know? It, why do you think that? Like, why do you think that that's your go-to, that it's never enough? I really don't know. Do you think that that is that is unique to you? Do you think that is something a lot of people struggle with? Do you think that like, like, what do you think on that front? Do you think that this is something that like very few people struggle with that a lot of people struggle with? Like, what do you think? Um, honestly, I think a lot of people probably struggle with it. It's probably just to varying degrees. Okay. And so is this something that you want to try and fix? Is it something that you've tried to fix before? I guess it's something that I don't really know how to go about fixing. Like, 
I don't necessarily think it's an uncommon way to feel. Like I'm sure there are lots of people who are even going to listen to this and be like, okay, yeah, I, I understand that, that sensation. But it's kind of like I want it to not have as much power over me anymore. I want to be able to be like, you know, I want to be able to finish something and be like, okay, yeah, I, I'm proud of myself for doing that and not have that little voice being like, hey, yeah, but. <laughs> Do you think that's that voice has ever kept you from trying things or has it mostly kept you from recognizing the things that the accomplishments you've had or do you think it's also kept you from doing things because you thought like you wouldn't be able to um I think it probably has kept me from doing things in the past um I know that one of my biggest fears that I have and one of the biggest sort of roadblocks that I have to trying things is fear of failure like I'm terrified of trying something and not being good enough or you know, trying something and feeling foolish if I don't succeed. Why? I think because I feel like I should be able to. Like, I don't know. Like I said, growing up in my whole life, I've always been told, you know, oh, you can be anything you want and you can achieve anything you want. And it's like, if I try and I fail, then what, you know? Interesting. That's a great point. Do you feel like having been told that you can literally do anything you want might have created this like unrealistic expectation that you should literally be able to do anything you want. So then it prevents you from trying because if you try and fail, then it's like, well, no, I actually couldn't do anything I want. Yeah, actually saying it out loud now, I do kind of, feel like that because it's kind of it's kind of like you get told your whole life you know oh you're really smart or you're really good at this you're really good at that you know you can do anything you can achieve all this stuff and it's like oh my god like now there's so much that I have to achieve like what do I do what if I what if I don't achieve that much stuff like does that make me a failure that's very interesting that's a really really interesting point and it's, it sounds like this idea of failure is like very scary to you and almost like you don't want to let other people down or is that not it? Yeah, no, I think that's probably part of it. And I know even um, with the relationship I mentioned, I know like I knew it wasn't a great situation to be in for a while, but I think it took me a long time to get up the courage to leave because I was afraid of letting people down, you know? And so I think that's, that's definitely part of it. Would you mind if I ask why, and feel free to, to not answer, um, why, or like a ma- one of the major reasons why that was a, a bad relationship? Um, it was quite, quite emotionally toxic and emotionally manipulative um and toward the end even emotionally abusive and that was on both parties like I don't think either of us are necessarily bad people but we brought out the worst in each other um and so it was just kind of like just a toxic environment in general got it okay um so going back to 
going back to the like being told you can do anything, you can do anything, leading to uh, oh my god, well I don't want to fail. Do you, do you, like, in terms of failure, like, is there a re- like, do you fear failing? Is failing, like, a really, like, a, a scary thing for you in something? Yeah, definitely. Can you think of anything that you've tried that you have failed at? I suppose one thing and like I'm not even sure I failed at it exactly but I think it still lurks in my mind as a failure is um out of uni after I did my honours and everything I actually did get accepted into doing a PhD and I started doing that for eight or nine months and just hated it hated the project hated where it was going um and I ended up leaving that and I think leaving that incompleted is something that sort of feels like a failure to me. Interesting. So you look at that as a failure, even though it wasn't because you weren't able to, it was a, it was a choice that you decided not to because you didn't actually love it. Yeah. And I, I almost don't, I almost feel like it's not necessarily the leaving that is the failure in my mind. It's more the choosing to do it in the first place and not, not picking a project that was better for me and that I would have stuck with. It was making the wrong decision in the first place that I feel was a failure rather than leaving it. Okay. So making the decision to do it without the knowledge that it wasn't something you were actually going to do, you see that as the failure? Yeah, I think so. It was more the making the wrong decision than the leaving. And I think it's probably the same in the relationship thing. It's like, I don't feel like leaving was a failure. I feel like making that wrong decision in the first place got it interesting so so here's here's what i'm seeing and tell me if you agree or not in every situation you have an opportunity to look at it from an optimistic perspective or a pessimistic perspective Mm -hmm. you could look at leaving your relationship from an optimistic perspective of like how old are you now 27 you're 27 you're fucking young as shit i'm 27 too super young you can look at leaving this and having the entire rest of your life to find a new relationship to do whatever you want from an optimistic perspective or look at it from the pessimistic of like, well, I can't believe I even let that happen. You could look at the optimistic perspective of you stopping that, that extra degree, being like, wow, thank God I didn't waste all that time, all that money continuing. Or you could be like, wow, I can't believe I even thought about it in the first place. And your mindset continually travels to the pessimistic side which is why you tend to have that negative self-view it's tend it's like steering yourself pessimistic 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 and i've spoken about this before and it's very common like this is super 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 common and it's also very easy to go to that pessimistic route i think generally speaking as tend to be not always we tend to be wired to go pessimistic because it's easier. It's less energy. It keeps us more closed. When you go optimistic, it opens you up like physically, mentally, emotionally, you become more open to other failures, to other opportunities, to other possibilities to like, to be hurt, whatever. And we sort of just want to be to ourselves and take to ourselves to hide away so that we don't 
get hurt so we don't get, ha- fail, we don't whatever. And so it's easier to take that pessimistic route. And sort of just stemming from this whole conversation, which was originally you really wanted to understand about self-efficacy and understand about you, you were brought up in this very supportive community, very supportive family being like, you can do anything. But it has nothing to do with with the upbringing. And I think it's almost just sort of part of that pessimistic viewpoint that you fall into of being like, well, I don't deserve to feel this way because I had such a great upbringing. So like, this is a failure of mine because I had such a great upbringing, but I still feel this way. It's like sort of that pessimistic view over and over and over again, that you just find yourself. It's almost like you, you can find comfort in being able to find that pessimistic view because it allows you to keep, to prevent yourself from opening yourself up to failure. You're so scared of failing that this pessimistic viewpoints keeps you from trying and doing other things. So it sort of just perpetuates. Whereas if you looked at it from an optimistic perspective and you were able to take more action, able to do more and, and not fear failure and to be able to go for it, regardless of failure or not, then you would be able to do more and it wouldn't be that pessimistic. It'd be very optimistic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sort of a protective mechanism it's exactly right. And you're using the, well, I didn't have a bad upbringing. I had a very supportive family, so I don't deserve to feel this way. That's your way of protecting yourself and is allowing yourself to keep like, well, then I like, there's no reason for him to feel like that, which just furthers you down this like negative self view, pessimistic perspective. And it's not easy. It's not like a, an easy or a quick fix, but, and let me talk about this before or not, but the, the route, the only route out of it is going against the friction. Every time you feel yourself going towards the, the pessimistic route, you have to like put the slam the brakes on and turn right. Or I don't know if it's if the other direction in Australia down under, <laughs> but you got to fucking go the other way. You got to go to the optimistic perspective because it's the only way out. And it's, it's very, I mean, and I say the same thing to someone who does come from a very, poor upbringing very bad upbringing they've had to overcome a lot of adversity like in whatever it's in in economic status in whether they just have like they've had to overcome different challenges based on like race gender whatever like wherever they're from it 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 really all boils down to are you going to take action or are you not and if you allow a fear of failure to prevent you from taking action then you will never you'll never succeed because that fear of failure is preventing you from doing the only thing that will allow you to succeed. Whereas if you stop looking at everything as a failure, because that's what you're doing right now, you look at everything you're doing as you're finding a way to look at it from a failure perspective, or you could find a way to look at it from a, like a succeeding perspective, from an optimistic perspective, which would allow you to do more. And the more you do and the less emphasis you place on this failure and the more you place on optimism and success, then the more likely you are to succeed. And then that's where self-efficacy comes in. Self-efficacy will come in when you believe in your ability to succeed. But if you view everything you've ever done as a failure, then you'll have a very low self-efficacy. Regardless of the positive upbringing, regardless of all the advantages that you may or may not have had, if you only view everything you've ever done as a failure, then of course your self-efficacy will be very low. But one of the things you've already done today is you've outlined all the amazing things you've done, all the accomplishments you've done. And you've even noticed that you've gone to the yeah, but the yeah, but and you need to call yourself on your bullshit and stop saying yeah, but I just had this conversation with someone earlier today. They're like, yeah, well, yeah, but this, yeah, but that I was like, stop saying but 
butt is doing nothing. Like butt is like I love butts. Butts are fantastic. Man butts, women butts, butts are great. I love butts. I'm a butt guy. But I say it again. You can't be saying butt after an accomplishment or an achievement. You did great. Boom. On to the next. Even if you didn't do great, even if it didn't go, even go, didn't go the way you wanted. Hey, listen, that really didn't go the way I wanted it to. And I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep going and it's not going to stop me. That's it. Like if you keep saying, but after all of the positive things, then you'll never find a reason to keep going. You'll never find a reason to believe in yourself. And that's really a choice that you can make. And it's for some people, they don't want to hear that. It's not fun. It's, it's, it's easier to go down the, well, you know, it's easy for you to say that. It's easy for you to say that, you know, it's just not for me. And that's fine. And some people, those are the people who will be negative and pessimistic and they'll never believe themselves. You can improve your, your self-efficacy. You can improve your, your optimism. It is a very much a choice and it's not an easy one, but you can do it. It's just as long as you're willing to and call yourself on it. And every time you see yourself saying, yeah, but, or every time you see yourself like downplaying something that you've done, you have to call yourself on it, say bullshit. This is a win and find the way to make that a win. The people with the greatest self-efficacy are the ones who are the easiest, who are the quickest to find the positive in any situation. When you are the quickest to find the negative in a situation related to yourself, then your self-efficacy will tank. You have to find the positive in every situation. That's why like in the inner circle, I'm so quick to like find the positive in whatever anyone says, whether it's like they had a bad day, a bad week, bad workout, bad nutrition. It's like you find the positive. That's where the whole like you can't fuck this up comes from. Because when you realize that you can't fuck it up, that it's not a failure, then it's all optimistic. It's all upside. But if you're the first thing to do is you find the downside and everything, then of course you'll continue to go down that path. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Does that like make you feel a little bit better? Like, do you feel like, oh, sort of a weight lifted off? Like, whew, like just from talking about it? Yeah, I do a bit. And it's, it's kind of like, if you take that more optimistic route of seeing everything as opportunity and that sort of thing, that's where the you can't fail comes in. Because if you've got that mindset, then you won't, you'll just try again, or you'll acknowledge that it was the wrong path and you'll try a different one and that, if you have that mindset, I suppose you're not going to fail because you won't let yourself. You'll just keep trying. That's exactly right. Failure only happens when you stop trying. It only when you look at it as, well, that's the end. And that's sort of what you did with, with the relationship and with the schooling is like you look at it as like it was an end. Well, it was a failure because when you made that decision to do it, that was the end. Whereas you could look at it as a beginning from when you decided to not no longer allow that be a part of your life. And now you can move forward and have so much more success. When you look at it as an ending, that's a failure. When you look at it as a beginning, that's a, that's a win. And that's the choice that you make. And you really need to be consciously aware of how you're thinking about things and looking at things. Because the more you look at it from the, a beginning, from like, well, listen, here's where I am now. It's not the end. I'm only 27 fucking years old. Like, even if you're 47, 57, 67, like, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of a new of a new opportunity. That's all it is. And the more you can view that, then the more likely you are to succeed because the more opportunities you're giving yourself to succeed. Yeah, that's very true. Does that all make sense? It does. It makes lots of sense. Thank you. So going forward, what are you going to do? Call myself on my bullshit. 
Fuck yeah, you are. And you know what's really interesting? I'm excited for you to listen to this over again because even just like your voice, the calmness of your voice, the the confidence of your voice, like you'll hear it from from the beginning of when we got on until now, it's gotten stronger. You're like your tone is stronger, it's more confident, it's less breaking. It's like when the the most the most frequency of breaks in your voice, the the softest that your tone was when you were talking about your accomplishments. And that's like you could t- you can hear it because you were very uncomfortable discussing things that that you were proud of yourself. And now being aware of that and conscious of it, you can talk about them proudly. You can talk about them with confidence. It doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to come easily, but you can be consciously aware of it. And in everything you do, you have to be thinking, okay, am I taking the positive or am I taking the negative? And one thing you said that was really interesting at the beginning was you've gotten way better at outwardly accepting compliments, but inwardly, it's still very difficult for you. And you have to be aware of that and say like, well, listen, I can accept this outwardly and put on a show, or I could actually work to accept it inwardly too and make it a real thing that I do accept, not just put on a show for and, and really accept it. And that takes work and it takes practice and it takes conscious awareness. So going forward, when you're calling yourself on your bullshit, if you notice yourself having these emotions, stop in the moment, stop, pull yourself out and don't think about it in your head, like verbally discuss it with yourself. Because when you do talk about it, like we just did now, all of a sudden, even like in the beginning, like you you were, you were having trouble finding finding things that you had accomplishments with finding like these moments that might have led to, to these, like these uh, issues with, with body image. But as soon as you start talking about it and I asked, well, why, where do you think it came from? Like it came out very, very quickly. And it's because when you think about it, it's all emotion based. When you verbally express it, it's logic based. So the sooner you can get it out of your mouth and have a discussion, the sooner you can really start moving forward towards the more optimistic, higher self efficacy perspective. Yeah. I think that's something that'll be, good for me to actually do too because I do like get in my own head and overanalyze things like a little hamster on a wheel inside my own head and if I actually stop and force myself to talk about it out loud yeah like you said it makes it forces you to be more logical about it that's right did did this help at all like do you feel better now like did this like are you glad that you got on the phone and discussed this yeah very much so thank you does it like break it down and make more sense and you know how to move forward yeah and I just sort of feel relieved I guess. I feel like I've got a, a plan of attack. I fucking love it. Seriously, I'm so glad that you wrote me about this. I'm glad. Thank you for taking the time to get on the phone with me. And I'm going to keep on you about this. And I would encourage you to make like an accountability thread um, in the inner circle about it. You don't have to. I would encourage you to. I think that it would help in terms of like noticing and, and writing about when you feel yourself going down this yeah, but path and saying like, fuck it, no more yeah, buts like really going for the positivity and the optimistic perspective and sort of using it as a journal and a log to discuss whether you write it out, you make mini videos, whatever it is, I would encourage you to, but either way, keep me posted because I'm going to be on you about it and I'm going to be asking about it and I want to like keep get an update and hear how everything is going. (laughs) I think I probably will do an accountability thread. I think that'll be good for me because it'll sort of force me to to not avoid it. (laughs) Good. So that means like I expect – before I go to bed tonight, because it's, it's what, it's 6, 6.15 my time, so it's like, what, it's 9.15 your time in the morning? Yep. So before I go to bed tonight, I better see an accountability post in the inner circle from you. <laughs> okay, done. Okay? Can do. Got it? Yep. Awesome. 
I love you. Thank you. This was this was really amazing. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Of course. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Right, see ya. Bye-bye.